Welcome to the Guidelines Podcast, a discussion about applying user-centered design within South Africa. My name is Jonathan Copeland, and on this episode of Guidelines, I sit down with lecturer and researcher Letitia Castles. Being the course coordinator for information ethics, publishing, and production design, with research papers on digital wellness, information accessibility for visually impaired students, and early identification of at-risk students in higher education institutions, Letitia has an interesting perspective on how information can and should be adapted for as broad an audience as possible. We met up at Letitia's office at the University of Pretoria and spoke about what plain language is and isn't and how to go about communicating in a more inclusive way in South Africa. Enjoy. Letitia, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for inviting me. I first got to know Letitia while I was being in her class, uh, one of her publishing modules, and I found publishing to be an incredibly useful and interesting module. One part of it specifically stood out to me, though. It was on plain language. It's been something, and this class was last year, and plain language has been something that's stuck in my head since then. I think every product that we interact with, content comes first. And I think that if we can get this thing of language right, we'll set ourselves up for success. Um, before we start talking about plain language, would you tell us a bit about yourself, what you're involved in, what research, um, what you get up to on a daily basis? I'm very heavily involved in research, completing my PhD in objectionability and morality policies in pre-apartheid South African censorship. Um, started this whole journey quite accidentally. They asked me to be a 12-hour lecturer straight out of... Uh, my undergraduate degree and I was on holiday in Thailand and I said yes via email and landed the day before I started work so didn't plan on staying and then I got obsessed with research so it's definitely uh, why I stay in my job is I get to do research and specifically I enjoy the fields of ethics and information access at the moment any research about how people use information is where it started and then why people use information, what kinds of information do they have access to, and how do we promote that. So in the articles I've sent you that I've written, uh, that's been the main focus of my research. Okay, so um, how did you get involved in publishing specifically? My undergraduate degree was in publishing. Okay. okay. Uh, I was volunteering in Cape Town, and my mother called me and said, pick a degree, you have two days before registration closes, and I pick publishing. Okay. And I was never going to go into academia, I was triple majoring in visual communications marketing and publishing in my final year and okay. I wanted to go into book marketing that was I, my plan I, I love these how people change their degrees and yeah get yeah it's um um and with, with regard to plain language how did you get involved with that I mean what are your thoughts on 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 plain language uh, plain language was a part of the very first module that I coordinated mm. publishing 210 copy editing and copyright law mm. And uh, as I started teaching it, I started expanding it more and more because my research interest grew into access to information and the ethical responsibility that publishers and content distributors have to promote access. And access can be um, rolling out the government giving schools iPads and Internet, and that's one way of um, promoting access. Mm -hmm. And the more important way, I believe, is to give people tools to access information because you can 
give a man a paper, but if you don't teach him how to read. Yes. And that's a historical problem in South Africa that's not really being addressed effectively. Okay. Um, if you had to try and sum up what plain language is as simply as possible uh, to someone who never heard about it before, how would you do that? The plain language movement is primarily focused around giving people information that they can consume that they need and that they can consume and understand the first time that they read it. Okay. That's all we're trying to do. Okay. And the plain language movement, how long has that been around for? Is it a new thing? What's been around for a while? It's really not a new thing. Uh, it started in the 60s already and 70s was implemented in the United States government um, by the United States government in their military sector. And it's really been around for a very long time. And in certain fields, it has been implemented very well. And in certain countries, it has been implemented very well. Um, and some fields like the legal and marketing fields really enjoy their jargon. Okay. And they've been not as quick to adapt. What, what fields and countries are, do, you, do you see as the countries that implemented what? The US has implemented it very well in the way that, for instance, China and Japan communicate to their citizens is very clear mm. and very precise. Uh, companies that have done it well is like the Howtrain. The Howtrain's communication is mm. extremely concise and clear. Okay. They use a lot of infographics. Um, those are companies, that's information that people need. Yes. The, uh, one of my favorite examples that I use in class is a quote from the Minister of Health talking about how they're going to make information more accessible and the average amount of syllables and the words that he uses in his speech is four. Okay. Which is not very accessible. So, yeah, it's a, it's it's a speech about accessibility that is not accessible. <laughs> um, and in terms of health information, especially in South Africa, it is very, very important that people understand the information that they are provided with. Yes. Uh, what would you say is the difference between dumbing down language and making it more accessible? Dumbing down is condescending, um, and I think you'll remember in class I yes. caution very clearly yes. against treating people as if they are idiots. No, totally, yeah. Uh, so in South Africa we have the situation where we have 11 official languages. Um, English is not the first language of many, many of our population. Okay. Less than 10% of our population speak English as a first language. So if you're dumbing down language, you're assuming that people are unintelligent. Okay. Instead of just not understanding a language. Let me rephrase that then. Mm. Um, what is the difference between overly simplifying uh, language and making it more accessible? Because oversimpli overly simplifying might, in my mind, might lose the essence of what it's trying to say, I guess. So uh, yeah. the point of editing and the, the purpose of being an editor is to communicate as clearly as possibly the author's intent and message. Okay. And as long as you're holding on to that, I don't believe that you can oversimplify. Okay. If you are not being condescending and okay. if you are not treating your audience as if they are idiots, um, I don't think that you can oversimplify a text. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, say, for example, someone's making, uh, maybe they're putting a blog post out or they're putting together their website. What are some of the ways that they can go through and check to see whether their stuff is, whether the content they put through is actually easily readable and accessible? Because my accessibility, what I think is easy to read, someone else might find a bit more complicated. How do I go about and objectively check whether my content is accessible? Objectively being a problematic word there, word there nothing really is objective. Okay. Um, as much as possible. As much as possible. Yes, you yes. need to, in any kind of content creation, I believe and I teach my students that the audience should be your primary focus. So if you are writing a blog post about malaria, your primary focus will be people who can get malaria, which is the majority of people in South Africa um, who live in malaria areas. It's such a weird phrase, malaria areas. 
um, if you are writing a blog post about a game or gaming, you're very unlikely to reach an audience that is Zulu first language, for instance. Mm. Not everybody has to have access to that information. Mm. So depending on what who your audience is, um, I would say that would be your primary focus. What information you put out would dictate whether or not you should edit for plain language and what your focus should be when editing for plain language. Okay. So what you're basically saying is know your audience yes. and then tailor it to that. Yes. Okay. Specifically audiences that don't have English as a first language. If you're producing content and you know that your audience does not have English as a first language, yeah. that's something you need to keep in mind. Then you need to edit for plain language. If your audience does not have... It's just a quick interjection. Uh, someone popped through the door and we're carrying on now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if your audience is not speaking English as a primary language and you are aware of that, you need to edit for plain language. Okay. If your audience needs to understand every word that you are saying, if you're talking about information that is vital to someone's survival or someone's human rights, if I'm explaining to someone the process of reporting a rape or reporting child abuse, that's something that they need to understand. For that, I will implement plain language. But shouldn't plain language be used across the board? I mean, like, I understand Absolutely. those cases are incredibly important. Absolutely, yeah. Your content should never be difficult to understand for your audience, otherwise yes. you're not doing your job. Even if people, even if there is English first language, I think there's a way of writing that is confusing. And whilst doing some of my research on plain language, it's not just, from what I understand, plain language is not just writing something in a simpler way. It's also a layout. Yes. Plain so language is more than just it's language. almost yes. taking out meaning from something and breaking it up. So, for example, uh, instead of writing out a list in a paragraph form, you have a heading, you have a subtitle, then you bullet list it. That it, could be a more accessible version yes. of the content. It the makes content more easily digestible. But that, I believe, is just being a good writer, Fair being enough. a good content producer. If you are confusing your audience and you're making it frustrating to read your blog uh, information on your company, people are not going to read it, and then you're not succeeding in your job as a content producer because people are not going to engage with your content. I think this is, this is almost the, the problem with more people working across the board in lots of different sectors so like i'm not a, although i've done publishing modules i'm not like i'm not a writer but i find myself doing a lot of copy on websites and i've copy in products so one needs to upskill oneself in this regardless um how how would you suggest one goes about doing that reading more and i guess but reading I mean, reading yeah. reading you can yeah. never read enough uh, the problem with plain language is there is no and this was one of your questions that you sent me there is no such thing as this is how to do plain language yeah because it is variable and it is unique to every circumstance. Okay. So I can't tell you this is what you do to do plain language yes. because that is not true. It doesn't actually exist. And okay. that's the way it should be yes. because language does evolve and audiences yes. are different and one size does not fit all when it comes to content. Okay. So there is no one way to do plain language okay. is the point, yeah. Okay, so let me try and give a proper summary to you. So basically plain language is the is simplifying language so that it's accessible to your target user and basically in a way that they can get the information that they need as quickly as possible yes as quickly as possible from the writing that you've done accessible can also be exchanged therefore digestible you need people to be able to consume your content in the way that you intended it okay i see i'd like to get to some of the business applications of of plain language because it's not just something that people can use um, on an individual level but should be applied at scale and I think with a lot of these things we need to be able to advocate for it in a business environment because we have deadlines we have 
Uh, we don't have a lot of time to do these things but, um, or budget, but we need. To, but it still is important. It still needs to become priority. Uh, I found a, a section from an article that I'd like to read, um, and then it, it gives an example of an, an original and then a simplified section, and then I'd like to have some following questions up from there. Okay. In the 1990s, a General Electric Information Services case study found that updating user manuals with clearer language led to 125 fewer customer calls per month. GE saved between $22,000 and $375,000 a year for each customer who used the revised manual. In 1982, the Allen Bradley Company, now part of Rockwell Automation, reviewed, tested and revised the manuals for its programmable computers to include plainer language. And here's the original then the simplified version. Original. It is suggested that the wire should be connected to the terminal by the engineer when the switchbox assembly is completed. Simplified. We suggest that you connect the wire to the terminal when you finish assembling the switchbox. There's a lot more simpler way of saying it. Mm. How would one go about advocating for the use of plain language with a client that views their product as being their brand as being something that's quite exclusive and perhaps lofty. So uh, you think of companies that want to present themselves as being quite a, a prestige product. Often along with that will come a lot of language, a lot of words. How would you go about advocating for that in a business environment? I want to point out the difference here between language and tone. Okay. Tone can still be formal okay, when language is simplified. Okay. And it is a very big misconception with plain language that plain language is um, not professional, that it's not legal, that yes. it's not applicable to business environments. Tone stays the same if you use smaller words. I don't think you would not in my class say that I was ever not authoritative. Yeah. But the words that I used were of level of a second year student. I speak very differently in my postgraduate classes. Mm. So tone is very different from language use, and I think that needs to be kept in mind. Also, if you are marketing a product that is never going to be consumed by people who have difficulty understanding language, then don't implement plain language. But understand that it is very close to becoming a legal requirement in South Africa for language to be plain enough for people to understand. Okay. The Consumer Protection Act already has guidelines in it to simplify language <clears throat> to be more plain. And that's just going to become more applicable as what time would the, like How would the enforcing of that work? And a, a, a customer can take you to court and say that you purposefully misguided and confused sure, by enough. presenting language. Fair and this enough. is a big problem in employment contracts, yeah, uh, for enough. instance. Uh, okay. Medical aid information. Okay. That whole nonsense about how to present prescribed minimum benefits and the yes. fact that it is separate now and very clearly indicated is yeah. because of the usability of those documents. Okay. The fact that you get a table in your medical aid brochure that says these are the levels we have and this is what you get is because they're legally required to present information to you in a way that you can understand it. Okay, so you, from what I understand you're saying that tone and the use of language are very different things. Yes. So what you can do is with tone you can you can basically explain you can still keep a formal tone yes. but say things simply and then along with the plain language what you're saying is that uh, actually it's becoming a requirement so actually it's not just a nicety to have it's actually no. something that should be built into the, the core of it especially if you're dealing with a large customer base which hopefully your company is if you're successful okay. also when you're speaking about formal language you don't necessarily need to change all the words as long as you explain them properly so it is structure is important in plain language yeah, okay. if i give all the information required 
the definition of words like liable right at the beginning of a contract, I can use liable throughout the contract. Yes. So it's just providing your okay. consumers, the consumers of your information, with the information they need to consume your information. Okay. Okay. And keeping it also like not being too over the top with that because you want to you don't want to have too many definitions above them absolutely but yeah. over the top is also contextual so okay, there yeah, is okay, a okay. case with the western um, western cape grape pickers union that one of their employment contracts was presented in comic form as a translation so they okay, had an actual yes. contract that they signed and then someone created a legal comic explaining to them that this is the contract that they're signing that says that they will be at work at 6 a.m okay. and they will leave at 5 p.m Okay. And it had a clock, and it had a person working from the morning to the night to make sure that they understand what they are signing. So it's not just text, but it, it, it's basically making sure that by whatever means possible, the end user understands completely what information they're receiving. Yes. Whether and, that's yeah. video, whether that's audio, whether that's text. But it's, we're mainly looking at text here. Yes. Though, that's um, the easiest way to consume lots of... <clears throat> it is, text. and it's also the primary way that people still communicate information yes. is via yes. text. Yes. Also giving people the information that they need right off the bat. So one of my examples that I use in class, I believe you did it for the second year project, is uh, information brochures for yeah. medication. Yes. You as a consumer do not need to know what the pharmacological classification of that medication is. You need to know when to take it, what the possible side effects are, and what the interactions are with other drugs. Mm. Why is that not the first information on that brochure? Mm. Why put the information that is only applicable to doctors and prescribing professionals before the user information? Mm. That it, it just doesn't make logical no, it doesn't sense, make sense at all, if yeah. that's what you're trying to do. Okay. So it has a lot to do with structure and how you lay out information as well, yes. Okay, that's interesting. Um, you mentioned South Africa as a context. Um, what are some of the conditions that promote the use of plain language and how does South Africa fit into that? How, how are we ripe? for the use of plain language? I, again, want to caution the word promote. Uh, it requires. Yeah, require, okay. South Africa <laughs> requires plain language okay. because we have many different first languages. Um, and we have a very foreign audience for a lot of our products as well. So we don't just have also? South Africans. Uh, we have Malawians and Zimbabweans oh, okay. and other people yes. from Southern Africa yes, also working okay. here. And none of those countries have English necessarily as a first language. Mm. Um, so because of that, it is very important that if you are just communicating in one language, ideally and legally, we're supposed to uh, translate most, if not all of our products into all 11 languages. That's what the Pan-African Languages Board was created for. However, it is completely ridiculous to expect government, for instance, to translate everything into 11 languages. Yeah. So we can't expect other people to do it. If you are not translating into people's first language and you are communicating information that they have a right to access, you have an ethical responsibility to communicate it in a level of English that they can understand, in a kind of English that they can understand. So that's the one case. The other case is we have historical uh, inequality in terms of education. And as much as we all want to think um, that it is going away, it is still the majority of our population still has functional to... Well, most of our population is literate, but they either have illiteracy, meaning that they choose not to interact with information, or they're only functionally literate. Mm. That is a reality that's going to be with us for the next 80-odd years. Yeah. And even the students who did grow up with equal education grew up in houses where many of their parents did not get equal education to their peers. So they still have familial and historical inequalities in terms of access to information. 
it's, sure. it's a little bit naive to think that 20 years is enough to erase the historical inadequacies of education that has happened. Mm. So information should be presented in a way that everybody in South Africa has access to, absolutely. I think this is especially with the amount of people you are working with digital devices now. Yes. Close to 100% of the adults in Africa have access to a mobile device. The last stats I saw was 92% have access to massive, smartphones. Yeah. massive, yeah. So there's even more of a role within um, people making digital products to consider the need, the necessity for making sure their products are easily understood. If we're talking about digital products specifically, um, creating digital citizens, it, again, I published an article on this very recently. Awesome. Digital citizenship is a requirement uh, in the information age, and we're not creating a platform for everybody to be digital citizens. When you look at things like online banking, for instance, um, part of the requirements of digital citizenship is that you can transact online and you can offer products and services online and purchase products and services online mm. if, you, if you are required to do so. Those platforms are not accessible to the majority of people in South Africa. You still see on pay weekend, drive into town and you see literally 100 people queuing outside an ATM mm. to draw cash. Yeah. That's still how they transact. Yeah. Because those platforms are not necessarily accessible to everybody. And that should change. That has to change. Uh, how I mean, you say so, so you've written this article on digital citizenship. What does sorry? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, so digital citizenship basically is the rights and responsibilities, the ethical guidelines of people interacting online. And the article was based on the fact that we are promoting information and uh, internet access to schools. We're creating it's called the universal services rollout, I believe, um, okay. where the government's providing schools with internet and e-libraries, but there is no curriculum training teaching students how to behave online yes at all yes so i basically propose a curriculum implementation um one of my old students and i wrote this together we okay. propose a curriculum implementation based on the life orientation module that is a compulsory module until matric okay. how do you implement it and what is implemented in order to teach students to be digital citizens and if you're not teaching students to be digital citizens in our information economy you're just furthering the digital divide so everybody has yeah. access to, to devices now great yeah. we have free wi-fi in Tuane, great but if people don't know how to interact online and what to use that information for you're just furthering that digital divide and we're going to end up mm -hmm. with people who can participate in an information economy and people who can't mm -hmm. and that's just more of a divide that we're creating and fostering and, and it's getting bigger and bigger how would you suggest one goes about it? education okay so through, through okay yeah if you're so if you're giving an 11 year old internet you have to give them a class on how to behave on the internet yeah, as well yeah sure yeah. and it is from the from childhood from this generation of youngsters who have access to the internet and information at school um them growing up and then their children maybe in two generations time will have a society where everybody has equal access to information maybe ideally i would hope so that we can create a standard for everybody in south africa everybody has the same privilege and access and that's ideal but and that would be through the use of like through an equal education absolutely on how to use the internet and what and what like effective use of the internet looks like yes i would okay. say so okay if you're promoting devices which they do at schools yes, and they're promoting yeah. internet which they do at schools yeah. you have to promote how to use that information as well yes yeah leticia thank you so much for your time i really enjoyed this is that it that is it oh, yes okay. <laughs> um if people wanted to find out more about you or look at some more of your 
research and get in touch with you, maybe ask you about some of your work, how could they best do that? Uh, they're welcome to email me at my university email. It is available on the website. I believe I sent you my yes, you did, yeah. profile on yep. the university website. And cool. uh, yeah, you can find me there and email me there cool. if you have to. Okay, so that's a... It's really <laughs> necessary. <laughs> cool. Leticia, thank uh, you so much. Thank you, Jonathan. Hey, well done for making it to the end of the episode. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic requests, feel free to drop me a voice note. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Just follow the link at the bottom of the show notes to get in touch. See you next time.